Welcome to Oh My Menses, a digital space dedicated to all things menstruality, periods, hormones, and cycle-informed living. Join me, Karinda, naturopath and fertility educator, as we explore topics that we probably don't hear about enough. From stories of menarche, birth control, and common period problems, to menstrual shame, sex, fertility, and the moon, if it's about the human female experience, I probably talk about it. This is a place of sharing, remembering, learning, and unlearning, where we come together and reclaim our cyclical power. So sit back, relax, let's all connect with our wombs, and remember our brilliant cyclical nature. Hello, hello. Welcome to the third instalment of the Oh My Menses podcast. I am Corinda, and yes, it has been a while. Why has it been a while? I don't know. Life, I guess. <laughs> I am one of my, I think, biggest challenges in life, in so many aspects of my life, is about consistency. And even when I set intentions and keep myself publicly accountable by telling, sharing with you guys what I'm going to do, like on Instagram or Facebook, I still really struggle with consistency. And I think that's just a part of my journey. Um, Consistency is probably one of the biggest, uh, I think, lessons and teachers that that I have in my life. Um, But. I'm not going to sort of put it on this pedestal of like, need to record a podcast and if I don't, then I've fallen off the wagon and then, oh my gosh, I can't go back to it and it feels clunky to go back to it. I'm just going to record when I get the nudge to record. I'm just going to follow through on the little pulls and urges and invitations that I get to talk about something in this kind of format. And uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for being okay with inconsistency. I'm sure most people are fine with it. And even if you weren't, I mean, that's not really, (laughs) that's not really in my control. So shout out to the consistent, the inconsistent consistency. (laughs) Um, And celebrate yourself for showing up. Even if it is something, if it's something that you're trying to do consistently, just give yourself a pat on the back. Don't be too hard on yourself. Life is too short. So today I am going to be talking about uh, nutrient deficiencies caused by the use of oral contraception, aka hormonal birth control, aka the pill. And this is based on a poll I (laughs) had on my Instagram account. (laughs) I posted to stories um, many weeks ago now. Um, but I think I, I gave the option of a few different topics and this is the one that got the most hits. And I think it's something that's like mentioned and you hear about, like if you're in the circles of menstrual cycle awareness and uh, holistic hormone health, and maybe you follow some, uh, women's health naturopaths or functional medicine practitioners online and, and, you know, you hear these things, but on the whole, and, and sometimes I really need to step out of my zone, uh, quote unquote, it's and my bubble. Um, because in my bubble, everyone's talking about these things most of the time. <laughs> and I need to remember that my bubble does not represent most of the population. And these are things that are seldom spoken about. 
um, especially in the consultation rooms with doctors and the people who are prescribing these medicines and the people conversations among the people who are using these medicines. I think this is really little known knowledge. So I'm really happy to share that and talk about that today. But first, as always, let's do a cycle check in. Admittedly, I have had to pull out my phone to check what cycle day I'm on. I know I am in my follicular phase um, and pre my fertile window just based on cervical fluid observations and remembering that my period was semi recently and that I uh, started this new cycle before the full moon and we're about four days out, three or four days out from the, new, for, from the full moon in Libra now. And so checking my app. And that is Read Your Body is the app that I use. Shout out. I am on cycle day 11. Oh, angel number 11 also happens to be my life path number for any numerology fans out there. Um, And if I may check the moon day as well, because I just feel that's important and it's just a little fun thing to do. So I'm going to pull out my moon app, which is... um, aptly called the moon <laughs> and we are currently in a under a waning gibbous moon it is 81 percent full and it's on day 20 of its cycle so i'm on day 11 of my cycle the moon is on day 20 of her cycle and the moon is currently in sagittarius just to throw an extra spicy twist in there So just an invitation for you, for you, the beautiful listener, if you have a menstrual cycle, um, I highly encourage you and invite you to just check in with what day you're on, day one being the first day of full flow bleeding. And if you don't have a menstrual cycle, just touching base with where the moon's at and seeing if you feel aligned with that energy. Um, And then even based on your own cycle, if you have one, seeing if you feel aligned with the archetypal and sort of, I don't want to say textbook, but with the the sort of energy that we would expect for the cycle phase that you're in. Do you feel aligned with that? Don't you feel aligned? That is the crux of menstrual cycle awareness. It's not about feeling, it's not about being directed to feel a certain way based on the knowledge and understanding we have of menstrual cycles. It's all about coming back in contact and connection with your own cycle seeing how you feel touching base with yourself um so that's my little invitation to you um and if you'd like more information on that i do have a very low cost uh intro to menstrual cycle awareness it's called menstrual cycle awareness who is she and it's my mini course over on thinkific i'll post the link in the show notes and i do have a very juicy discount code for podcast listeners. Um, Off the top of my head right now, I forget what that code is. Dare I say it's just oh my menses, (laughs) but maybe not. Uh, I will post the code in the show notes. So please uh, be sure to look out for that if you're interested in learning more. I sort of run through menstrual cycles as a whole, um, how it correlates, how our cycles correlate with the seasons, correlate with the lunar phases and sort of bring it all together. Really good place to start if you are new to this knowledge. And that is seven minutes of me talking. I think that's about time to dive in (laughs) to the topic of today. Nutritional deficiencies caused by hormonal birth control. Why should anyone care about this? 
That's a great question, Corinda. <laughs> Let me answer that for you. <laughs> so if it's not in your sphere of knowledge yet, let me really hammer this in <laughs> gently, as gently as possible. Although, you know, in my follicular phase, so my gentle might might feel a little bit more harsh because I've got that I've got that rising energy supporting me. Nutrients are the foundation of health, to put it simply. Your body requires and uses nutrients to build tissues, to help uh, control DNA synthesis, to create new cells, to create collagen and different proteins in your body, to create other cells, cell replication. So that's on a real cellular level. Your body is made up of nutritional compounds <laughs> and you require nutrition for optimal health. In other contexts in your body, um, one of my favorite examples actually is the liver. Um, the liver requires an array of different nutrients in order to process and detoxify compounds that you're exposed to on a daily basis, whether that's through the air you breathe, the food you eat, medications you take, supplements you take, things that you smoke, drugs that you take. Your liver is responsible for detoxing all of that. And those detoxification pathways in, um, I was going to say in naturopathic medicine, but in medicine, in body science, uh, we refer to those as phase one and phase two detoxification pathways of the liver. Both phases require heaps of different nutrients, amino acids, specific B vitamins, other nutritional compounds that act as antioxidants. Really, really important. So I guess that's just a preface of like nutrition is important. And if you are holding any beliefs that like what you eat doesn't matter or like nutritional supplements don't really work or don't matter, I really invite you to rethink that. Maybe do a little bit of your own research in addition to listening to a podcast like mine and uh, touching base with my content on Instagram because I talk about it a lot there as well because this is one of the areas where health has gone really uh, off the rails if I may be frank <laughs> my perception of health on a global collective scale as a naturopath as a menstrual cycle educator as someone who sees clients, as someone who experiences suboptimal health herself, a huge reason that I see for just people not being able to reach their optimal health, not being able to thrive, being caught up in the medical system and feeling like they are just not getting better or actively getting worse or that people are experiencing diseases and lifestyle related conditions from a younger age or autoimmunity. One of my big beliefs as to why that is occurring is because we just forgot about the importance of nutrition and we just forgot that the first medicine is the food that we eat. Uh, 
food is thy medicine. And we just forgot that. And we forgot that and it was replaced by more convenient seeming options. You know, well, I guess first they derailed they the systems. (laughs) I'm not going to go into that, but just catch on with my language if you can for a sec. You know, when we think about how the food industry and the diet industry has been shaped, you know, let's say since the 60s, 70s, maybe even earlier than that, where, you know, we think of how um, fat was thrown under the bus and then that sort of paved the way for the sugar industry. Like sugar wasn't a problem. Fat's the problem. Oh, no, no, no. Sugar is kind of bad, I guess we think. Here are all these alternative sweeteners. And then, oh, there's study done. There's studies done. They might contribute to increased cancer in- incidents. Oh, you know, finding out all these uh, diseases related to sugar, but like already being too far in, in terms of most of Western society already being hooked on this compound, processed sugar, that contributes to so much ill health and being convinced that grains are the foundation of the food pyramid and (laughs) that it's okay and healthy to eat breakfast cereal, um, breakfast cereal, that it's okay to eat cereal for breakfast, which is mostly sugar and grains and straying away from whole foods, focusing more on convenience. How quick can we cook? What can we find in a packet? What's what, what has the least amount of cooking time? Um, what's the cheapest, you know? Straying away from growing our own food, farmers markets, local produce, leaning more towards what's quick, what's cheap, what's convenient. And we've been, and, and you know, we always have the power to take back control in areas that we deem valuable to us. But in, in that same breath, I want to say, this is no fault of our own. We have been sold these ideas. There has been, there have been millions, dare I say billions of dollars spent and put towards fueling these industries. I guess and in one of the key industries being the sugar industry, if I may put it that broadly. And with that, when we focus on more sugar and we get addicted to sugar and our taste buds become adapted to a more sugar-dense diet, generally that means less nutrition. Another another thing I'd like to point out, and dare I say I'm going to talk about this um, a little bit more, a lot bit more, Um, on my podcast with my friend and colleague, Julie, um, our nuanced naturopaths podcast. Um, But, you know, if we, again, think about the food industry, but what comes before the food industry is the agricultural industry. And what's been happening there in the last 50, 30, 20, 10 years? We look at soil quality. Plants get their nutrients from soil, as well as water and sun because of the industry's use of pesticides and insecticides and fertilizers and weed killers over time 
our soil through very complex mechanisms, which I'm not going to go into now, our soil has been depleted in crucial minerals that it used to be replete in, that the plants were able to uptake and that we were then able to get from the plants or were able to get from the good quality meats from the animals who ate those plants. That whole cycle is falling falling out from underneath us that whole cycle is broken now it is harder to get adequate nutrition from food and so they are a few of the reasons i I went into that a little bit hey Um, but they are a few of the reasons why i believe that you know we're seeing so much more nutrition related diseases and the answer that many health professionals and doctors and conventional mainstream medicine spout for those issues are are not food-based or nutrition-based solutions they are pharmaceutical and medicine-based solutions and if we consider that health issues and nutrient deficiencies may be due to nutritional imbalance or nutritional deficiencies and we see symptoms that can be treated with medications But if we're not addressing the nutritional component in the individual who's experiencing the problem, you can pretty easily see how that's how we're not addressing the root cause. Anyway, that's my little rant there. Let's see how under wraps I can keep it today. So too long, didn't listen, (laughs) zoned out, shout out ADHD is listening. Nutrition is important for health and for everything. (laughs) And so we have a little bit of a problem when one of the most widely used medications in Western society, maybe even first world countries, if I can broaden it that much, is hormonal contraception. Specifically today, I'm going to be talking about the pill, OCP, oral contraceptive pill. Um, There are a few different types um, and I may need to get more specific with my research. Um, But I do believe that so in in oral contraception, we find we can find a couple of different ingredients. Most of them will have a kind of progestin. Some of them will have a kind of estrogen. I'm saying this with like quote unquote because it's not actual hormones. So I guess quick myth bust to start with. Oral contraception, hormonal birth control is not, you're not receiving, you're not ingesting actual hormones that are identical to your own. You are ingesting synthetic pharmaceutical based semi-analogues to your actual hormones that is to say that they don't function exactly like your natural hormones do but they interfere with the function of your natural hormones they have hormone-like action in your body which is how they work so you've got the progestin component which is meant to mimic your natural progesterone we've got the estrogen component in some pills um which is usually in the form of ethanol estradiol, which is meant to mimic your estrogen. And then there's um, some other ingredients that they throw in there. Um, 
like you'll find an extra ingredient in some pills like Diane or Estelle. Um, if Especially if you've been prescribed the pill specifically for acne or symptoms of PCOS. And then you've got like the mini pill. Um, yeah, so there's there's a lot of different kinds of pills, but so I'm speaking really broadly here, focusing on progestins and ethanol estradiol. Um, and yeah, so essentially the way that hormonal birth control works is that they prevent ovulation. So they inhibit the function of your ovaries, that is to produce estrogen, namely, and that suppresses ovulation. They also suppress a couple of hormones that are uh, made in your brain, released from your pituitary gland in your brain that talk to your ovaries called LH, luteinizing hormone, and FSH, follicle stimulating hormone. So communication from the brain to the ovaries is also interfered with by taking oral contraception. And then some pills, progestin-only pills, which Uh, I believe uh, would include the mini pill, for example, Um, work by thickening cervical mucus, which means that sperm, if present in the vaginal tract, can't actually get through the cervix because there's thick cervical mucus blocking that pathway from the vagina through the cervix into the uterus. So that even if an egg was released from one of your ovaries, the sperm can't get to it. Um, additionally, your uterine lining called your endometrium is also changed a little bit in order to prevent implantation. Implantation is what happens once a sperm does fertilize an egg cell and then that travels into your, travels from your fallopian tube into your uterus and that little fertilized egg, also called a zygote, wants to implant itself into your uterine wall so that it can get blood and oxygen and nutrients and then grow. When you take oral contraception, if for whatever reason, I mean, ovulation is suppressed, so no egg should be released, but in some cases uh, an egg can be released. So some ingredients in the pill also work by uh, really thinning that uterine lining so that it's not sufficient enough, it's not dense or nutritious enough for a zygote to implant itself. So pregnancy can't occur, pregnancy can't develop. So that is just a real quick overview of oral contraception. So what nutrients does the oral contraceptive pill cause deficiency in, potential deficiency? What, how, how can I word that better? What nutrients does the oral contraceptive pill decrease in your body? And this, the mechanism can be a couple, it can be a couple different mechanisms. So the pill can increase the demand of certain nutrients because of, for example, what I referenced earlier, the liver requiring certain nutrients to detoxify and process and metabolize certain medications. So it it can increase demand there. Um, It can also have an effect on the body that actively depletes nutrients from certain cells, which then also increases the demand. So there's a couple different mechanisms there. Um, I won't get too much into the specifics of that, but let's dive into our list of nutrients and then I'm going to break them down one by one, uh, go over why they're important and why they matter to your health. So the pill can decrease vitamin B2, vitamin B6, 
vitamin B9, which is also folate, just another name, vitamin B12, vitamin C, zinc, we're into the minerals now, zinc, magnesium, selenium, and I listed zinc again. (laughs) Now, it can also, it doesn't just decrease certain nutrients, it can also increase some nutrients. It may increase vitamin K, it may increase iron, and it may increase copper. Now, let's just take the iron for instance. To some people, and I know most people are iron deficient or struggle with iron metabolism. That is a whole other conversation. And again, that's a conversation we're going to have over on the nuanced naturopaths. (laughs) That might sound good. Like, oh, the pill, taking the pill increases my iron levels. (laughs) But the thing is, uh, iron is very easily toxic to the body. um, And your body can't handle a lot of iron. And so it has very, very fine and specific parameters to regulate iron metabolism in your body. High iron levels, or specifically high ferritin, which is just the form that your body stores iron in, can be associated with high inflammation as well. So it's not just like, oh, pill boosts iron. That's great because iron's good, right? Much more nuance there. Same with copper. Copper and zinc have a really complicated relationship. Uh, There are some symptoms that we see that are caused by a copper deficiency. There's also some symptoms that we see that are caused by a copper overload. And wherever there is excess copper, zinc will sort of be pushed out. So a lot of these minerals um, compete with each other for absorption. So if there's too much of one, it's very likely that it's going to be impacting the other. This is also why, just a little side tangent here, this is also why I generally don't recommend just taking a multivitamin. Um, when you're when you're looking at a tablet or a capsule or a powder that is just combining uh, different vitamins, so like the B vitamins, vitamin C, with minerals like zinc and selenium and copper and iron, There's so much counteractivity in that one pill that it just doesn't make biochemical sense. Um, It's really easy to market. How easy is it to market? Like, oh my God, you can get all the nutrients that you need in your day from this one product. Oh my God, super easy. You just need to take one thing and then it's done and don't even worry about what what you're eating, right? (laughs) Biochemistry is (laughs) unfortunately, unfortunately, a lot more complicated than that. And then one more, there is a questionable increase of vitamin A. I have actually seen this go either way. So yeah, this is just based on research and some research is inconclusive. Hence why that is a a questionable increase that we can see in users of the oral contraceptive pill. So let's dive into the vitamins. One of the most important ones that I mentioned, I mean, they're all pretty important and you'll find out why. But folic acid, folate, two different forms of a similar compound. There's also lots of nuance, a nuance to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my god, I'm like, how do I, how do I not let myself rant too much, but also honor these amazing and really important thoughts that come up as I start to say things. Um, 
So let me quickly just point out that um, if you were taking folic acid in the form of like fortified foods or a supplement, um, that is not the same as folate, which is the form that is naturally found in foods such as green leafy vegetables and can in fact not be great for your body to take. Folic acid will not be metabolized properly in approximately half of the population. And I'm speaking really loosey-goosey here. Always encourage you to do your own research, ask questions, follow up. (laughs) Um, And taking folic acid in some people can actually block the absorption of folate from food and cause a wide ripple effect of problems. So (laughs) folate's important, but taking folic acid is not necessarily the answer. Anyway, (laughs) so why is folate important and why does it matter? Why should we care that the pill can deplete uh, folate levels in people who take it? Low folate is associated with lower DNA synthesis and cell division, especially for red blood cells. And that's really important because when your red blood cells aren't healthy, that can lead to anemia. And it can also be, uh, low folate can also lead to poor DNA synthesis and cell division in bone marrow cells. And that's also really important because that can lead to things like leukopenia, which is a a depletion of white blood cells. Super important for immunity. It can also lead to thrombocytopenia, which is low levels of platelets. Really important for general blood regulation, wound healing, complex these are complex concepts but essentially folate is like crucial for the the health of your cells and for dna replication now it's when dna replication goes awry that we can start to see the nasty things like um cell damage and problems with cell replication that can lead to cancers or tumors now i know that's a big thing but again it's, I feel like it's important to stress why cellular health, like it sounds so vague, right? So I, I feel like I need to put it in real terms to be like, this is why it's important. Um, another benefit of folate, and I'm sure most people have heard of this one, is that it's really important for um, neural tube development in what is called embryogenesis, which is when an embryo is developing in one's womb. Um, there's just a much higher requirement for folate for cell differentiation, which is super important when you are making a baby, when a fetus is growing. Um, so for instance, take someone who has been told by their doctor that it's okay and that it's fine to be on the pill right up until they're trying for a baby and let's double say that this may be a person who uh, does not metabolize folic acid properly is one of those people in half the population um, that does not need folic acid in their body because <laughs> that can cause actual disruption to actual metabolism. And so they're taking the pill and then they're like, oh, I'm ready to try for a baby. Oh, I'll just come off the pill. And let's say that their cycle returns, that they ovulate, you know, 
approximately two weeks after stopping the the last active pill, which is a would be a really good case scenario. Um, good case scenario, best case scenario, ideal case scenario. <laughs> And then they start taking a over-the-counter uh, prenatal supplement that contains folic acid. While they've been taking the pill that's been depleting their folate levels, <laughs> that's not going to be great. Potentially not great for health outcomes for the baby that they want to have. And the interesting thing about oral people who use oral contraception, they have been found to have lower average levels of folate in their serum and this has been associated with how long they've been on the pill for so it's lower folate levels in their serum the longer that they've been on the pill for really important to know as well um studies also found that folate returned to normal after stopping the pill for three months and again to bring it to bring a focus to preconception care Uh, It's really important that you don't just go from stopping the pill to immediately trying for a baby. It's uh, like the best case scenario would be to allow a beautiful 12 months to replete all the nutrients that we're talking about, folate included, to optimize your diet, to get to the root of any symptoms or diseases or conditions that you are experiencing as an individual before you start growing another individual, it's really important to address those. So 12 months, best case scenario, most ideal, most optimal scenario before trying for a baby. So my, so what I would recommend if I was seeing a client who was on the pill and was ready to come off it and wanted a baby, I would say, okay, You can stop that pill now. There's things we can do to support your body through that process on its own. Give you need to give at least 12 months while we get everything into shape and get your body in the most optimal shape. And that's not just, I'm not talking like physical shape, but I'm talking about like physiological shape, you know, the the health of the cells, the health of all the organ systems and how their body is detoxifying and eliminating wastes and, you know, really, really generally. And yeah, 12 months. And yes, that takes time. And yes, you might want a baby sooner than that. This is just naturopathic knowledge. This is just what would allow for the best, 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 most optimal scenario. For people who are really in a rush, who are not willing to do the 12 months, I uh, compromise with them and I say, okay, six months, would be great. Six months of working on your own health, repleting your nutritional status, amazing. Something that we can still work with, three months. And here we see it, just one example in the research where folate uh, levels have been shown to return to normal after stopping the pill for three months. Now, dare I say, there is a lot of nuance there. You know, what were the participants in this study eating? What was their diet like? Um, were they supplementing with anything? Did they have any other factors that increased their need for folate? You know, so always remember the nuance, even though I'm quoting research and studies here. Nuance. You're an individual. Um, and there's a couple of reasons why the pill may cause uh, depletions in uh, folate. And that could be reasons like there's malabsorption of folate. Um, there's higher elimination of folate through the urine 
because the pill also interacts with uh, kidneys and fluid balance in your body. So higher excretion of folate through urine. Um, there can also it, it can also be because of there's there's faster metabolism of folate. Um, because of certain enzymes in cells that require folate. And so again, medications, in this case, we're talking about the pill, can put higher demand on certain parts of your body, certain organs, particular cells, and that increases their need for certain nutrients. So there we see a great example of faster metabolism. Your body is just burning through more of a nutrient um, than maybe what you're repleting it with, right? Um, and then we, yeah, like we also need to consider dietary intake. Um, silent malabsorption is a thing where there's malabsorption, but you might not get any symptoms that reflect that malabsorption. Um, yeah, moving on to vitamin B2, really important for energy production. And speaking of folate, vitamin B2 helps convert folate and vitamin words are hard sometimes (laughs) vitamin b2 helps convert folic acid and vitamin b6 into their active forms so that would be part of uh, part of the cycle that converts converts folic acid into an active form of folate which we refer to as 5-MTHF there's a lot of nuance to nutrition. <laughs> um, so deficiency is more common with people who are taking the pill and when their dietary intake of B2 is not sufficient. Um, with a B2 deficiency, we can see a degeneration in nervous system health. We can see endocrine dysfunction, which relates to hormones. And this could be hormones at various levels of the body, brain hormones, kidney hormones, adrenal hormones like cortisol, adrenaline, as well as um, ovarian hormones, sex hormones, right? Um, Some people uh, may also notice skin disorders or that their skin health gets worse. And B2 can also be associated with um, certain forms of anemia. So again, B2 deficiency really important for cellular health. And to mention the liver again, remember how I spoke about all those detoxification pathways within your liver? Um, That's super important. Well, one of the um, most potent antioxidants in your body called glutathione, glutathione, uh, enzymes that help the function of glutathione actually require enzymes that are dependent on vitamin B2. This is a great, and that, that is complex and let's not go into that anymore, but that is a great example of how these tiny, tiny, tiny mechani- microscopic mechanisms in your body require specific vitamins. This is not just about getting enough calories and eating enough carbohydrates and proteins and fats and drinking enough water. Those things are really important. But this is like the nitty nitty gritty. This is where micronutrition really, really matters. So it was found that taking the oral contraceptive oral contraceptive pill aggravated a deficiency in participants who already had or were more prone to a vitamin B2 deficiency. Um, it was also shown that supplementation of B2 was good enough at increasing people's B2 levels even while they were still taking oral contraception. Important to note. 
Um, and a little fun fact, B2 supplementation was associated with reduced headache frequency in people with migraine disorders. And headaches are a common side effect of those taking oral contraceptive pills. There are some links here, folks. There are some really important links. Okay. Now, one of my favorite, I don't know why, for some reason, this has always been one of my favorite nutrients, vitamin B6. This is crucial to hormone health, liver health, skin health, energy production, brain health, nervous system regulation, so many things. In fact, vitamin B6 is involved in more than 100 enzymatic reactions in your body. And to put that simply, reactions and processes in your body require enzymes. And those enzymes can be nutrient dependent. And vitamin B6 is just one of the nutrients that are that are up there in terms of what those enzymes require. Um, vitamin B6 is in high demand in your body. It is hot, hot, hot. Is a hot topic. Everyone wants it. <laughs> Vitamin B6 is really important for the metabolism of carbohydrates and lipids that you eat in your body. And let's break that down. Carbohydrates uh, are absorbed. That leads to glucose in your blood. Cells take in that glucose so they can produce cellular energy. So they can do everything. <laughs> So carbohydrate metabolism, very, very important. And lipid metabolism, we're like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, it's important to eat some types of fats, right? But why is that? Fats are so important for protecting your cell membranes, especially for your nerve cells. Your nerve cells are covered in this myelin sheath that is fat-based. Lipids are also really important for hormone production in your body. We have hormones that are protein-based and we have hormones that are steroid-based. So making sure that the fats that you're eating are metabolized well ensures that your body can actually absorb those fatty acids and put them to use for protecting the cells, for for producing um, the steroid, the fat-based hormones. Vitamin B6 is also really important for neurotransmitter production. Neurotransmitters are... Uh, certain chemicals in your brain that your brain cells use to communicate with each other and to elicit effects on your mood, on your thinking, your cognition, your memory. Really, really important. It's important in the production, the synthesis and the metabolism of tryptophan, which is an amino acid that helps with the production of serotonin. B6 is also important for something that we call homocysteine balance. Um, Also a complicated and rabbit holy topic, but overall it has to do with inflammation, cardiovascular health, and also relates to folate metabolism. So homocysteine, very important. B6 is also really important for immune function. It's important and required for hemoglobin formation. Hemoglobin is the component of your red blood cells that are a- that's able to carry oxygen and oxygen getting to all the parts of your body via your red blood cells is one of the most important things, <laughs> if I may say. Uh, your body needs oxygen and that's 
it uses hemoglobin to transport it. It's also why blood flow and really optimal blood flow and microcirculation is really important. Low B12 is associated with a higher risk of arterial and venous thrombosis, so blood clots. Um, and we also know, or you may not know, but taking oral contraceptives are also inc- uh, associated with an increased risk of getting blood clots and deep vein thromboses. Um, and that's not just limited to the pill. I believe that that risk is also increased with the Nuvaring. Um, and, oh, I like, I mean, I want to say the injection and the Implanon as well. So like Implanon and Depo Provera and maybe even the Marina, but I'm not a hundred percent sure, but we know that that risk of clot formation, um, is present in those taking the oral contraceptive pill. And we know that that risk is even more so increased, um, Uh, the older that you get and if you are a smoker and honestly I think of how many people are on the pill and smoking and I'm I just I think about their their heart health and their clotting risk and I'm just like there needs to be more of a conversation about that (laughs) I don't think we're talking about that enough (laughs) and I hear from a lot of clients um like they they've been on the pill long term and you know they were seeing their doctor to get a new script and their doctor would switch them to a different pill citing risk of developing a clot blood clot and I'm like and I look at the pills that they've switched them to and I'm like there's still a risk with that pill um yeah it needs to be a little bit more of a drastic change than that to decrease the risk so specifically so also into the specifics of what pills we're taking the pills that had that what we call a combined oral contraceptive pill, um, combination pills that contain the estrogen component, ethanol, estradiol, and the progestin component, um, were found to have a B6 deficiency. And another study showed that 70, 75% of women using oral contraceptives um, who did not use any supplementation had lower reductions of uh, a specific form of vitamin B6 um, in their body. Um, And the conclusion of a few of these studies was that supplementation may be necessary in oral contraceptive uses. And again, this is just something that uh, it's a conversation. It's a dialogue that I just don't think is happening in the doctor's office, unfortunately. Um, And to sort of just broaden out in terms of like B6 and deficiency as a whole, like I also think of the people who are taking oral contraception and have any degree of mental health concerns, diagnosed or undiagnosed, any degree of emotional imbalance or feeling less than great in their life, feeling disconnected from their life purpose, feeling disconnected from joy. Um, experiencing depression, anxiety, um, experiencing fatigue, like mental and physical brain fog. And I'm just like, from a, from a nutritional medicine perspective, vitamin B6 is one of the number one things that we use in most cases of poor mental health. And I just think of so many of the women suffering on oral contraception with poor mental health who have not been recommended 
vitamin B6 because it's just not mainstream knowledge. And then we've got B12 and we know that B12 will be, dare I say, automatically in a problem in any vegans, some vegetarians who, yeah, if, if, if you're not consuming a lot of or any um, animal-based food products, you're not going to be receiving vitamin B12 unless you're supplementing. Um, and there's also a certain amount of the population that don't have a specific compound that's found in the stomach that's produced by stomach cells called intrinsic factor that is necessary to uh, kickstart the metabolism of B12 when it's ingested from food so that your body can actually use it. So there's going to be a percentage of people who actually require uh, B IV B12 or sublingual B12. Um, so it bypasses the digestive process altogether and it doesn't need to go through that. Um, yeah, it doesn't need to go through digestion. Uh uh, again, that is something that Julie and I spoke about in uh, an episode that's coming out soon, uh, our Nat Facts episode. Um, we spoke about the myth of like just yeah, B12 being found in plant-based foods and why supplementation can be really important in a lot of cases. Um, why do we care about B12? Again, it's the things I've been mentioning. DNA synthesis, remembering that DNA is the instruction manual that your cells have to refer to in order to replicate and to know what they need to produce and to function properly. It's it's the instruction manual for your cells. It's like, they're like, what are we doing? All right, let's refer back to the DNA. Um, so if there's issues with DNA synthesis, there's going to be issue with cellular health. If there's issues with cellular health, that is going to affect, affect organ function. Um, and different tissues in your body when there's problems with organ function or tissues in your body you're going to experience symptoms so I hope I'm also demonstrating how these tiny processes in your tiny tiny cells can add up to and contribute to your overall health picture how they can lead to symptoms when we neglect the micro of our health we experience it in the macro, in our everyday experience of life and living. B12 is also important for energy production, fatty acid synthesis. Again, fatty acids, so important for nervous system health, also for skin health and healing. Um, they're important. B12 is important for cell growth and replication. It's also really important for the normal metabolism of folate. Folate is a hot topic. I need like a folate alarm. <laughs> folate be going off. Um, and B12 is also really important for one of the detoxification pathways in your liver called methylation. That is a part of phase two detoxification. Um, and tissues in your body with a higher cell turnover. So we think of like uh, what we refer to as mucosa. So like the inside of your mouth, mouth, the lining of your digestive tract and cervical epithelium, which is like your cervical cells. They're turning over at a really high rate. They have a higher demand for B12. So this is where if we are taking something 
like the pill, that can cause a depletion in B12. And maybe we're also vegetarian or we're vegan. We may start to see issues come up in our cervix. We may start to see cervical dysplasia. We may start to see issues with our skin. Crack, um, I'm sure some of you will be able to relate to this. Getting cracking and peeling of the skin at the corners of your mouth. That is a classic B12 deficiency sign. Um, Wound healing taking longer. Really important things. And when we see a B12 deficiency, we also see an increased risk of a particular anemia called pernicious anemia. And that look, when we're talking about anemia, we're talking about actually what I mentioned before, the capacity of your red blood cells to carry oxygen and deliver it to the body. Um, And again, if parts of your body are not getting oxygenated sufficiently, optimally, that's going to take a real that's going to cause a downturn in health. And that's why anemia is just such a biatch because it's just like low energy fatigue, feeling like you can't do normal everyday tasks, let alone exercise and move your body in a really great way. Um, it, It impacts everything. Moving on to vitamin C. Vitamin C is I'm sure number one at the top of our lists, crucial for immune function. But it's also really important for the synthesis of uh, collagen in your body. It's also important for carnitine metabolism, which is an amino acid. And it's also important for catecholamines in your body. Big words, but essentially just different chemicals in your body that have really important functions. Um, Vitamin C is also one of your body's... uh, highly relied upon antioxidants. We also call that a free radical scavenger. There are certain things in our environment and things that our body exposed to that we call free radicals. And I guess to put a long story short, these free radicals cause damage to our cells. And so we have these other compounds called free radical scavengers, um, also known as antioxidants, uh, that can help prevent damage to cells by free radicals that quite frankly we're all exposed to on varying levels Uh, a deficiency of vitamin c i mean in an extreme sense we get things like scurvy but on a more uh everyday sense you can have poor wound healing and that's not just like wounds that you get from like a cut or a scrape um that's wound healing in terms of acne in terms of eczema psoriasis Um, even just something like dandruff, when we think of like the surface of our skin and all the different issues we can see on the surface of our skin, it's really important. And then that's also internal wound healing. So again, those mucosal linings, those epithelial linings of your digestive tract, where there's a high cell turnover or where there could be damage to cells, vitamin C is really important. It's also important for um, platelet health. So they're, re- they're involved in blood clotting, regulating uh, your blood viscosity and your white blood cells. And what they've found is that vitamin C in those cells, which is important, is lowered by the use of oral con- contraceptive pills, especially in the pills that contain that quote-unquote estrogen component, the ethanol estradiol. Um, and they, they, uh, 
suspected, they theorized that this could be due to, again, the increased metabolism of vitamin C um, in people who are using the oral contraceptive pill. That's going to increase the demand. And obviously a high risk in people with poor diet. So, you know, if you don't have a high intake of fruit or vegetables, um, vitamin C is going to be an issue. Uh, and same, and, you know, again, we take one factor like being on the pill and then we just stack it on one other factor, like having, for instance, um, uh, being in a, an immunosuppressed state, having altered immune function. Vitamin C is going to be doubly important. And so this is something that we also do in the naturopathic process. We look for obstacles to health and obstacles to cure. And so we like to look, if we're looking at one issue like immune function, we're looking at all the factors that could be contributing to that. And taking the pill in many cases is an obstacle to health because of this demand that it places on your cells, because of how it increases the demand for certain nutrients and accelerates deficiencies or can worsen deficiencies. Really important. Um, And it was also noted in this study that found the depleted vitamin C levels in people taking the pill, they found that supplementation of vitamin E, another important antioxidant in your body, and vitamin C can protect against potential cardiovascular risks that are caused by using the pill. So dare I say, um, I don't have more info at the moment, but dare I say, if I was to take a guess, um, that would be related to clotting risk, deep vein thrombosis risk, um, or just increased risk of um, uh, altered heart function altered blood vessel function because of increased oxidative stress. Again, if that's going to damage the cells, that includes the cells that of your blood vessels that make up your blood vessels. So vitamin E and C as a potent combination um, of antioxidant nutrients, they're going to help with those factors. And there I'd say vitamin, vitamin E and C are also at the top of my list when it comes to uh, acne especially, I mean, any acne, but especially hormone-related acne, if you are, and again, oh, holistic pictures, man. If you've got someone who um, went on the pill because of acne and the pill corrected that acne, but then for another reason, maybe they want to have a baby, maybe they're just not feeling good on the pill, um, they're experiencing side effects, they've decided they don't want to be on hormonal contraception, they want to come off the pill. Having this knowledge of like, oh my God, the pill depletes these nutrients and hang on, these nutrients are really important for skin health, for wound healing, for antioxidant support. We need to prioritize these nutrients and we need to supplement these nutrients to help minimize any rebound acne that you might get once you stop the pill. We gotta, we gotta taking the whole picture. You know what I mean? This, this is where holism really gets to thrive. And so, yeah, while I mentioned vitamin E, uh, as I mentioned, it's an antioxidant helps, uh, slurp up. (laughs) No, that's not the correct term. That is not the correct term. Helps scavenge those free radicals that can cause damage to ourselves. It's also important for cell membrane health of all your cells. Um, It helps the flexibility 
of your blood vessels. It helps your vessels um, be able to dilate. We like vessels that can dilate well because that means there's going to be more blood getting to more areas of our body. That leads to sufficiently oxygenated cells. And that leads to great health. So we love that. We love vasodilation. (laughs) Vitamin E is also important for platelet health. So again, managing clotting risk. And this particular study that investigated vitamin E in people taking the pill found that what they called platelet hyperactivity, which is something that could lead to clots, associated with long-term users of oral contraception may be dependent on a low level of what we call alpha tocopherol, which is a form of vitamin E, in those platelets. And they found that this issue was rapidly overcome when vitamin E supplementation was administered. Love that. Love that real-time demonstration (laughs) of how supplementation can change a thing. So again, to bust that myth, that myth from earlier or any myth that you might be holding or belief that you were taught or that you picked up from people around you or that you hear people around you talking about that supplements don't do shit or that what you eat doesn't matter. It really, really, really does. And then let's, we're an hour in now, let it, let's blast through these nutrients. I'm probably going to have a lot to say about these. Oh, sorry, not nutrients, these minerals. So that's our vitamin portion. Now we're looking at the minerals that the pill can deplete. Zinc, zinc is one of, oh my gosh. So B6, zinc and magnesium are always going to be my top three OG nutrients for supporting female bodies. Any bodies really, but I love female bodies. So female bodies. I talk about female bodies. That's what I'm referring to. Um, Just because they're like this amazing trifecta of, oh gosh, you've got B6, which covers everything that I I mentioned, you know, energy production, um, detoxification pathways, mental health, neurotransmitter production, required for um, endocrine health, hormone production and then you've got zinc this amazing mineral that is important for um, DNA helps your cells talk to each other through what we call signal transduction helps support healthy gene expression genetics are important they're not the be-all and end-all but they're important it regulates something called apoptosis which is Uh, programmed cell death and if you didn't know cancer is essentially just a disruption to healthy apoptosis it's where the cells aren't getting the message for you know so many different reasons obviously cancer is complex but the cells aren't getting the message that it's time for them to die and so they keep growing they keep replicating and that leads to tumors so zinc really important for regulating healthy apoptosis Zinc is also really important for your brain. So this is one of the reasons why it pairs well with B6 is because it's crucial for neurotransmitter production. Um, Specifically for a neurotransmitter that I love called GABA. GABA, shout out to GABA. Oh, that is a compound, a chemical in your brain that is like the calming anti-anxiety chemical. Oh. It's such a chiller. 
and zinc is needed to help produce it. Um, we also find zinc is important for what we call synaptic plasticity. So synapses are the gaps between um, the connections between your neurons, I should say. And we like neural plasticity because that's what helps us to learn new things, remember new information. And dare I say synaptic plasticity is also important. Sorry, my dog's making some, she's having like a dream and she's right next to me. So sorry if you hear some puppy noises. (laughs) But dare I say synaptic plasticity is also a really important thing for nervous system regulation and healing trauma, processing trauma, right? Because, and just like any kind of mindset work or intellectual, like conscious work, right? Because like the more plastic, that's that's not a great word, the more malleable your brain is and the more flexible your new, your neural pathways are, the more easy it is for you to form new neural pathways when you are processing trauma, when you are learning new habits, learning new skills, when you are practicing nervous system regulation. Um, so that's a link I didn't think I'd make, but there it is. <laughs> Zinc is found highly concentrated in muscles, bones, your kidney, liver, prostate, not relevant to female bodies, but there it is, and parts of the eye. And fun fact, semen is rich in zinc. At least it should be in our zinc replete males. Get on that zinc game, boys. Um, because it's really, and that's really just because it's so important for cellular health, cell replication, DNA synthesis. And that's happening a lot in our sex cells. Um, so it was found that Women using oral contraception had lower zinc levels in their plasma. And you know what's kind of sad? We have known this. We. Research has shown this since 1968. Isn't that cooked? And again, and please tell me, DM me on Instagram If your doctor, if you've taken the pill before, if you've been prescribed the pill and your doctor said, hey, zinc is this really important nutrient and taking the pill can actually reduce your levels of zinc. And we've known this for a long time. We've known this for decades. 1968. Shout shout, shout me out. Let me know if a doctor has mentioned zinc in the context of taking the pill because I'd really love to know. (laughs) and I'd really love to... Praise that doctor. Um, again, I I emphasize this because I just don't see it happening. I see so many people on the pill. I would say 80 to 90 percent of the clients that of all the clients I've ever seen have been on the pill at one point or another, if they're not currently on it. I've been on the pill. I wasn't told anything about zinc. And and zinc is needed. It's similar to B6, it's needed for like over 300 processes in the body. So important. (sighs) And so they found that this reduction in zinc may be due to um, changes to how your body absorbs zinc zinc when you're taking the pill. Also how it's excreted. um, And also how cells that hold zinc 
are turned over, so tissue turnover rate. Um, that could be altered when taking the pill and that could lead to more loss of zinc. There you go. So what we know is that dietary zinc requirements are higher for women using oral contraception. And here's another thing that I'll shout out. When we learnt about, like, if you ever did, like, a health class or a nutrition class in high school or, like, an undergrad degree or, like, did a certificate in nutrition, and maybe if you did a good one, they spoke to this and that would be amazing but I don't know about you but when I was looking at those RDI charts you know recommended daily intake upper level upper limit charts um SI charts standard intake you know when we're looking at the recommended daily dose daily intake of certain nutrients I never saw a separate column of a recommended level for women who are taking oral contraception. You see separate columns for like, you, you'll have one for males, females, pregnant, pregnant females, um, breastfeeding females, different age groups. I've never seen a separate column for people taking oral contraception. Clearly, no, I think that's needed. <laughs> and so I'll finish off the trifecta. B6, zinc, magnesium. So much to say back about magnesium. It could be a whole episode on its own, but this is Omo Menses. Let's, I'll save an episode for magnesium for the nuanced naturopaths. Um, magnesium, I think they've found now, we, like we were always taught to know and, and share with people that magnesium is needed for over 300 reactions in the body but I think they've now found that it's like at least double that it's like at least 600 reactions in the body that magnesium is needed for it's this amazing like mineral and it's also an electrolyte and it's just it's just good for everything um one of the ways I like to mm, oh there's a few things I could say with this One of the things I like to share with my clients and people that I know who are interested (laughs) um, about the importance of magnesium and I believe and I find that most people are depleted in magnesium and one of the reasons for this is that there's more stress on a collective level. Um, We experience stress really differently, I feel, compared to previous generations, if I may say. I'm 27 years old, so that's the context of that. Um, So when I say we, I guess I'm talking about people in my age group. Um, We experience stress on a different level. The more stress you experience, the more your brain is going to get the signal to tell your adrenal glands to produce more cortisol the hormone that helps manage stress, I guess, is a way you could word that. Cortisol production requires magnesium. So if we're producing cortisol on a higher or more frequent basis, we are going to be burning through our magnesium. So it's really important there. I also like to reference um, something I mentioned earlier about soil being just less full of nutrients than it used to be, magnesium being one of them. Um, So where maybe 40 years ago, say, maybe probably more than that now, 
um, we were getting more magnesium from fruits and vegetables and plants and meats that we were eating, we may be getting less of that just because of how soil quality has changed. Crazy. So, magnesium levels in oral contraceptive users was found to be worsened, so more a deficiency that that existed in people taking oral contraception was worsened when they had a poor diet, shout out to most of us, and when they were using medications called diuretics. So diuretics, you know, things that help the kidneys work a bit faster. That is not the way to describe diuretics. And any pharmacists listening, <laughs> shout out, would be like, oh my God. Um, but yeah, so when you're using diuretics, so you're urinating more and you've got a poor diet and you're taking the pill, magnesium deficiency is intensely magnified, amplified. Um, and then put that on top of everything I just said about stress and <laughs> how much that increases the demand for magnesium. Oh, it's painting a little bit of a picture here. And then when you consider that magnesium is needed for over 600 reactions in your body and you put all these pieces together, you can see how easy it is for people to be experiencing poor health, whether that's like really bad health or whether that's just less than optimal health. It's definitely a range, but I mean, even if I see someone with just subtly suboptimal health, I want them to be experiencing like the, the best quality health, right? So it's really easy to happen. And once again, the researchers in this study concluded that magnesium supplementation should be highly considered for people using the oral contraceptive pill. Again, this is not a dialogue that I am aware is happening in people prescribing magnesium. And my heart breaks a bit. And then the final mineral we're going to talk about is selenium. This is another one of your really important antioxidant um, minerals. Um, so again, working with vitamin C, vitamin E, the glutathione, um, also CoQ10 is another antioxidant. Selenium is so, so, so important for thyroid function. And every cell that uses thyroid hormone. And guess what? Your thyroid and thyroid hormone regulates metabolism in all of your cells, in all organ systems of your body. So the thyroid is pretty important. <laughs> so selenium is really important there. It's also beneficial in people who have Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune condition that leads to um, hypothyroidism, which is... Uh, low thyroid function so again take a case of someone on the pill who has Hashimoto's and 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 I just feel you know selenium is not one of the first line therapies <laughs> it's not one of the first things to be considered but maybe it should be um so yep they found that there was lower serum selenium in oral contraceptive users and also another fun fact uh some research has found that selenium may be protective against breast cancer. Really interesting. And especially, especially more interesting when we've got conflicting data on the pill and its role in either being protective or 
exacerbating when it comes to breast cancer risk. And that is the breakdown of nutritional deficiencies caused by or aggravated by taking hormonal birth control. We powered through a lot, guys. We covered a lot. (laughs) And I hope, it, it, it is my, more than anything else, it is just my hope that this conversation and hearing me talk about these things has sparked some ideas, has sparked some questions, and has sparked some thinking. I'm not here to convince anyone to stop taking the pill. I learned a while ago that that is not something that I can do. I have my own biases against the pill, for sure. I have my own experiences with the pill. That has shaped my opinions, for sure. Um, But I think the best thing I can do is share this information. And obviously that's going to be nuanced based on my opinions and bias and experience, right? I'm not going to deny that. I'm, I'm not giving a perfectly neutral opinion here. But I think, yeah, all I can do is share this information, hope that it reaches the people who are ready to receive it and who are ready to assimilate this information in a way where they're like, oh, do I need to be making a different choice in for my body? And actually better than do I need to be making a different choice to my body for my body? Do I want to make a different choice to my body? That is like the best possible outcome I could ask for from this. Anyway, I hope you got a lot out of this episode. Uh, I will add a little poll and a little Q&A box uh, for anyone listening on Spotify. So please engage with that. Let me know what you thought about this episode. Let me know any of those questions, those follow-up questions that have been sparked um, as a result of all the information shared. And I will catch you on the next one. And if you haven't already today, check in with your cycle. (laughs) All right. See you guys. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Oh My Menses. If you have a special request of something you'd like to hear me talk about or you have any questions that you want to ask me, please drop me a line at hello at corindaholistics.com.au. I would like to acknowledge the land and country on which I live, work and create that of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I honour their connection to land, sea, flora and fauna across this country. I pay my respects to the elders of these communities, past, present and forthcoming.